Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. Psalm 60 is still knocking at our door. Uh-huh, that's exactly right. I can tell that uh, it's going to be a great time. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You're looking at me doing that door-knocking deal. Uh, Well, I'm ready for you to read it. Let's just jump in. (laughs) Psalm 60. Today I am reading from the New International Version. For the director of music, to the tune of The Lily of the Covenant, a victim of David, for teaching, when he fought Aram Nahirim and Aram Zobah, and when Joab returned and struck down 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. You have rejected us, O God, and burst forth upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open. Mend its fractures, for it is quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow. Save us. And help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter. Moab is my washbasin. Upon Edom I toss my sandal. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. As you listen here to Psalm 60, there's a couple of psalms it brings to mind. First of all, Psalm 108, when mm-hmm. we get there, Lord willing, in a couple of years, yeah, <laughs> when we, we will actually find that the last segment of this psalm is also in Psalm 108, I mean, almost verbatim. Is that with right? Just, with just a few distinct differences. It's going to be one of those places that when we get to Psalm 108, we'll be able to talk about how the psalmist and the songwriter and the poet can take a segment and actually apply it to different circumstances. We'll be- also be able to say, refer back to a previous episode where we, we talked about we will. Psalm 60. We will. But I bet we can figure out how to talk for 13 to 14 minutes, five days that week. Well, we, on, on new stuff. We seem to do it every We're going to try. We're gonna the try. gift of gab. But looking back. Except for when you don't want to banter. You're like, could you just read, <laughs> the, you song, just read the song, please? <laughs> we got places to be. <laughs> we look back. We get to Psalm 44. Listen to the segment of Psalm 44. See if it sounds familiar. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You've made us like sheep for the slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You've sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You've made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You've made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long, my disgrace is before me and shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and the reviler at the sight of the enemy and the avenger 
Sounds kind of familiar. I mean, it sounds similar. It does. It does. Here's how Psalm 44 continues, just to point out, all this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. So they're there protesting their innocence. Yes. Yeah. So here in Psalm 60, there's no declaration of innocence or guilt. There's just the declaration of this has happened, and we don't know why. And and, uh, is it a declaration or... What word would you use to describe verse one when he puts it on to God? You have rejected us, O God. I, he's saying God's rejected him. It's a okay. declaration. Okay, all right. Okay, but I think what Psalm forty-four shows us is that in Psalm forty-four they're saying we are innocent, and you've rejected us. I see. We yeah. don't understand it. Yeah. We, we don't understand. Which again gets us back to like Job, who the entire time is saying, "I don't understand why this has happened. Why? Yeah, why point. is God doing this?" And uh, we, we come back to this one, Psalm 60, you've rejected us, you didn't go with our armies, but I know what you promised. Mm-hmm. I know you promised this land is ours. You gave Jacob this land when he was coming to face sure. Edom or Esau, and then you divided up the land with Joshua when they had the conquest, and all of this, he even calls to mind the blessing that Jacob gave on his 12 sons when he says that Judah is the scepter mm-hmm. or the new King James said lawgiver. Right. But in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, when Jacob blessed Judah, he said the scepter will not depart, will not depart from Judah. Yep. And so there again, there's that reminder, it will not depart from Judah. Yep. So you've said you're going to give us this land. You're not going to take it away from us. So I, I don't know why you've rejected us, but restore us. I don't know why yeah. you've broken up the land, but please piece it back together. You've promised this, so now I'm going to pray for this. And now he says, and the reason I'm turning to you is because man can't help me. Yeah, at the end of the psalm, we have a, a rhetorical question, I guess. He says, who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? There seems to be a desire on the part of David and his forces to go there, but like I said, rhetorical. Yeah. It needs to be God. Yeah. It has to be God. Uh, his he ba- said, is it not you, O God, uh, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies, give us aid against the enemy. Yeah. Here's the problem. You didn't go with our armies. If you don't go with us, who's going to lead us? Yeah. Man can't help us. Because the aid of man is worthless. Which that brings to mind Moses. Now, so so maybe some sin has happened because that does bring to mind Moses after the golden calf when God is saying, get yeah. out of the way, I'm going to kill him. Well, you know what? You, I'm not going to kill him, but you go and I'm not going to go with you. And Moses basically says, if you don't go with us, we... We can't win. You have to be with us. And here's David making that same point. I got to go to Edom. You said this land is ours. And but but if you don't go with us, who's who's going to lead? Right, right. And and and, and no man will do. It's it's not about if I make uh, uh, what treaties, you know, with with the Egyptians or some other power to go in this fight. I have to have God. Have to have God. Yeah, because man. And this is the important part. Man's help is helpless. Or man's salvation. The ESV uses the word salvation as it says, the, for vain is the salvation of man. We often hear, if God's for me, what can man do to me? Right. If God I, is for us, who can be against us? Yeah. And here what we find is that w- when God is for me, what can man do for me? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really both the same thing. Look, w- when God is with us, whatever man's plans are, I, I, I don't have to worry about man being against me because yeah. God is for me. But I don't have to worry about getting a bunch of men to be for me because God is for yeah. me. 
God, God can deliver whether many or whether few, right? Isn't right. Isn't that what Jonathan told the armor bearer? Well, oh, hey, it's really cool that you just brought that up because I was thinking about when right around that time, Saul felt the need to unlawfully offer a sacrifice That's right. because the army was dispersing. Mm-hmm. His army was dispersing and he felt like the only way he was going to win is if he kept his army and Samuel's not showing up. Yeah. And so finally he just decides, I've got to offer this sacrifice myself so that the army will stay because they won't stay unless God's been petitioned and the right, sacrifice right. has been offered. And it was, it was almost like Samuel was just waiting around, like Samuel was around the corner peeking, waiting for Saul to slip up here, almost, is what it seems like, because as soon as he offers the sacrifice, oh, well, there's and Samuel. Samuel shows up, comes right over the hill right at that time. And But but the interesting thing is there that Saul mm-hmm. is thinking he has to have the army, he has to have the right. people, right. whereas Jonathan had already demonstrated, no, actually not. Mm-hmm. When God is for us, we don't have to have an army behind us. Yeah. Now, if God gives us an army, he may use the army. Mm-hmm. And I think clearly in this scenario, David pulls an army down to Edom and God through Joab and Abishai and the army defeats Edom. And they have six months of campaign there, according to first Kings chapter 11, and they defeat the Edomite army and yeah. wipe it out completely. And, and David's able to set up garrisons there. So God sometimes uses the armies of men and God sometimes right. uses the people as a team, as a group to help each other. But the reason any of that is successful is because God is the one behind yeah. it. Well, and isn't it something that David would be writing this psalm? You know, David went and faced the giant Philistine, right, and Goliath, with with the understanding that it was God who was giving him into his hands. Yeah. You know, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear, and you will be like one of those because the Lord is with me. Right. I'm thinking about for us as Christians, as Christ church. The, the thought that just came to my mind is when Barnabas got to Antioch, mm-hmm. and he saw the grace of the Lord there, but he decided to go get Saul, Saul, Saul who Tarsus, becomes yeah. Paul. And so so here he is going to bring—but but there's still the understanding that Saul, who becomes Paul, is only going to be beneficial— if God is working with them. Mm, yeah. And so in Antioch, it talks about the fact that a great many who believe turned to the Lord because the hand of the Lord mm-hmm. was with them. Yeah. Because the hand of the Lord. I think we have to think about that as we're striving to grow churches. Mm-hmm. And really before that, I should put make disciples. Right. Because Jesus, of course, sends us out not to plant churches, but to make disciples. When we make disciples, churches will get formed. Correct. Churches will grow. But if we're wanting to get people to turn to the Lord, it, it's going to be God. God is the one that has to make that work. Yeah. He will use us, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. He can do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think by his power working in us, mm-hmm. by the power that works within us, and that's his power. And so, but, but it's God. It's God's power. It's God's strength that's going to grow this. It's not, it's not because you or I... Yeah. or our elders, or some other person that we'll bring in, or some other person who has an idea that's going to make all of this successful. It's going to make us be able to baptize people and convert people and draw folks into the family and grow the kingdom. It's going to be, is God with us? Mm-hmm. I think that's the key that we've got to keep in mind. Uh, one of the sisters in the congregation was talking to me about uh, uh, some of the episodes we were talking about along the lines of imprecatory psalms. Mm. And she said one of the things that was always helpful for her in reading about imprecatory psalms is to understand that, well, we really do have an enemy as mm. Christians. That enemy is the devil. That yep. enemy is Satan. And, uh, and it, it's really not hard at all to um, 
think of Satan and the attitude of Satan and what needs to be done to Satan in reading those things. And, uh, you know, I just kind of with that tidbit, as I read verse 11 again, give us aid against the enemy for the help of man is worthless. Mm. You know, that that we need to have victory over our enemy, over the devil and Satan and the wiles of the devil. Then this is going to come from God and the power of God and deliverance from nowhere else. And that's not to knock off on the, or, you know, knock at our, our brothers or our sisters or the church and the value of community, but but the power is in Christ and the power is in the gospel. And, and that's the power that we need. With God, we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. He'll trample down the devil. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as Jesus said in John 15, if I am apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Can Unless do I'm nothing. abiding in the vine, yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah. So here's the thing. I, I don't need a big team. I need God. Yeah. yeah. I don't need a lot of supporters. I need God. Now, God might bless me with a team. He might, he might bless me with uh, comrades, with coworkers. Yeah. He, he might bless me with... An army, he might, but what's going to make it all work is God. Yeah. Psalm one twenty seven. Unless the Lord looks over the city, unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman keeps watch in vain. You know, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder is building in vain. It's the Lord who is the strength that makes any of it worthwhile. And David says, "Man's salvation, man's help is useless. I need to be relying on God." Mm-hmm. And so, how about we seek God's help? Yep. Right now, Holy God. We need you. We need you. We're thankful for one another. We're thankful for all the folks that are around us that provide us encouragement and support. And we're, we're thankful that we can reach out and give that support and that encouragement. But we know, Father, that the true support and encouragement comes from you. This doesn't mean that we go off in isolation, but it does mean that we understand even the kind of people that we need to find support from, that it needs to be people who are also relying on you. Because what we need is you in our lives, what we need is you in our churches, what we need is you in our families, and we pray for the salvation, the deliverance, and the help that you offer through your Holy Spirit, through your Son, through your grace and your strength and your power. Lord, you are the one who lifts up, and we hang on to you. Valiantly defeat our foe, and let us stand triumphant with you. We run to your banner, and you will deliver us by your right hand. It is through that banner, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.